thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Thanks for coming to church today. Hey, uh, we are uh, excited to see each one of you. Rating, can we give a big hand to everybody that's here for the first time? We're glad that you're here. Thanks for coming. And uh, yeah, honored. Those of you that are online for the first time, what's up? Glad that you're here. Hey, uh, this summer, uh, God's doing some big things here uh, as a church. We're focused in really on young people a lot in the summertime. And so we've got Camp Radiant coming up for kids. And we've got our Bold Conference coming up at the end of June, early July for teenagers. It's going to be really, really great. Um, And next Sunday, everybody, is Mother's Day. And everybody said, thank you for reminding me, David. You're welcome. Uh, Next Sunday is Mother's Day. And so next Sunday, uh, you'll get to hear a little bit from Renata. And so, uh, woohoo! And uh, so I'm excited about that. My mom's on the front row. Happy uh, week before Mother's Day. Uh, So anyway... um, Hey, if you've got your Bibles, let's go Luke chapter 5 today. We're continuing in this series called God of Miracles. And uh, this week, Renata and I were uh, uh, at a pastor's conference, and there was an 82-year-old pastor that was doing the speaking at the Wednesday morning session, and then I was speaking the Thursday morning session. And so he's 82 years old, and he's, I mean, just telling us how to finish strong, and he introduces us to his wife, and he tells us we've been married for over 50 years and we're all cheering. And so then I was the next uh, morning and my goal was to uh, just kind of reiterate some of that stuff he said. And so I was talking about being a finisher and so I'm looking at other pastors and, and I, what I meant to say was, let's finish strong. I want to be 82 and have a 50-year-old marriage one day too. But what I said was, let's finish strong. I want to be 82 years old one day and have a 50-year-old wife. And everybody was like, oh. And so <laughs> Renata said, hey, baby, you can have an 82-year-old wife when you're 82. So uh, anyway, um, that didn't go well. But no promises today will be any better. Um, <laughs> but anyway, if you've got your Bibles, let's go uh, Luke 5. We're talking about miracles. Uh, just coming out of the season where we've seen God work supernaturally in our church. And so really felt like in that season to just dig in on the miracles of Jesus with the primary goal of just believing in faith as a community that God is still doing powerful things. We want to grow both in our prayer time and in the word of God and just looking at miracles and asking God to do miracles uh, among us. And so we're going to look today at the miracle that Jesus does for Peter when he calls him. And so it's the miracle of the miraculous catch. Luke chapter five, verse one. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, you'll see that multiple times, Lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, Galilee, uh, Sea of Tiberias, it's all the same place. The people were crowding around him, meaning Jesus, were crowding around him and listening to the word of God, which that's a great message right there, just listening to the word. They're crowding around because they have a hunger to listen. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Kind of intriguing. 
gets into Simon Peter, names him Peter later, but actually gets into his boat and asks him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So it kind of makes like an amphitheater. He's just using the water to speak. You know, when you've done a day at the lake or been swimming, how you can hear people uh, further away because of just the way that the sound works. Jesus using essentially modern technology for that age. And he's just using it then so that they can hear him. Verse four, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Command. Peter, command. Here's what I want you to do. Simon answered. Interesting. (laughs) Jesus didn't ask a question. Jesus just made a statement, but Peter's talking back. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And here's the phrase. But because you say so. I'm going to hit that hard today. Because you say so. Second phrase. I will let down the nets. That's phrase two. First phrase. Because you say so. Second phrase. I will let down the nets. Third phrase, when they had done so. (laughs) Because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, then the next phrase is the miracle. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners, so other fishermen, in, other, in the other boat to come and help them. We need some help. Why? We got our boats are sinking. It's so full. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished or amazed, marveled, saw something miraculous at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon. So he says something specific to Simon Peter. This phrase is to a person. It's to an individual. No doubt other people here, but he's talking to a person. And he says this, number one, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Why would he be afraid? Well, because all of a sudden Jesus enters his world and does a miracle that's jaw-dropping and powerful. He says, don't be afraid. And then he gives him vision for the future. Don't be afraid from now on. That's going to be the title of the message today. From now on. This is Jesus saying it. From now on. I know that Hugh Jackman sings it, but Jesus said it first. (laughs) From now on. That's where he got it. From now on. you You will fish for people. So I got a future for you. From now on. So it might be hard down the road, but from now on. I want you to fish for people. From now on, I've got a bigger vision for your life. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Father, we come before you today, and we ask, Lord Jesus, that we would be a people that obey no matter what, that we would be a people that walk in the power of God, that we would be a people that see you at work in ways we would not see if we just ran our own play, did our own thing, did our own plan. And I pray for supernatural stories to increase in our midst. God, have your way in this house. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? So this week at that conference, Renata and I are sitting around a table uh, talking to some friends, and 
One of the ladies was in her 40s, and she was from Australia. And she told her testimony just briefly. It wasn't a formal setting. It was just hanging out afterwards, talking over cheesecake. But she's just telling us about God at work in her life. And she said, when I was in high school, I began a relationship with a boy that was, it wasn't that it was, it wasn't that it was ungodly. It was just that it lacked righteousness. It just lacked God's call. He wasn't the one God had for me. I was just kind of my best option in the youth group. And she just said, I was just kind of hanging out. What? Did I say something funny? What? Oh, best option? Is that funny? Oh, okay. She said that. Yes, the best, just the best option. And so, whew, I thought I said a cuss word or something. Um, <laughs> uh, she said it was just kind of the best option that I had in the youth group. There it is. And so, um, and so we're just, you know, she's just talking. And she says, so then, but one night, I was with my group of friends, kind of my friend group. And she said, I, I, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, she just, I just, just, it just resonated inside of me where it said, you don't belong here. And she just began to just be just jolted and shocked. What? Just, you don't belong here. And she got up to her room. Now she was, she'd been, she had dated this guy for quite a few years. And now she was in her young adult years and she was kind of headed in a trajectory of just, of just probably marrying this guy, hanging out with these people. And, and, and she just began to pray. She got up to her room. She began to pray. That phrase just lingering a little bit. You don't belong here. And she just created a line in the sand, or in the, not in the sand, in the carpet <laughs> in her room, in, her, in the carpet with her fingers. And she just said, she's from Australia, so she's, just, she's telling us the story. We're just kind of amazed because she says, God, when I step over that line, if I step over that line, there's no going back. No going back. I'll give you everything. I'll give you my whole life. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll give you all, you know. And so then she tells the story about how she stepped over the line in her college years. And the next day, the next day, she showed up at that guy's house. And she just broke up with him right there on the spot. She just said, I'm out. I'm so sorry. And uh, it was done. And then the next week, she literally left home and enrolled in a Bible college and just turned her whole life around. And she said, I was headed for apathy. I was headed for just doing whatever I wanted. And then she said, but I, I gave everything to God. And then she looked and she leaned over her cheesecake and she goes, she's in her forties now, you know, she's, she's my age. And she goes, and I've never turned back, you know, and you're just like, oh, you know. I just love this moment because this is the famous story where God invites Peter and Peter has a clear plan for his life. He's a fisherman. He's a successful fisherman. And a lot of times we'll hear stories about how, you know, Peter, James, and John may have been poor, you know, but, but we don't really know. Some, some Bible commentators think that here's Peter, he's, he's got a boat, and that for his day, maybe he was a, a fairly middle-class man. He's got, we know, we know that he's got a family. In Luke 4, Jesus has just healed his, mother, his mother-in-law, and so he's got this family, he's got a boat, and he's got a life. And, and Jesus kind of shows up on the scene, enters around the lake where he's at, the Sea of Galilee where he's at, shows up to his boat, and Jesus actually goes and sits in his boat. Now, that's a courageous thing to do. Actually, can we show this picture real quick? There was um, a time. Have you ever had somebody come and just sit in your car? 
Like, it's, it would be weird if somebody were to leave, go out here today and just sit in your car, right? You'd be like, what's up? We, I, I had that happen to me. Uh, I was with Skylar, and uh, we were at a, at a conference, and this pastor turns out to be this awesome guy, but we're going to lunch, and this dude comes and just sits in our, co- our car, and we're like, we don't know you. Turns out he's amazing. Turns out he's awesome, but he just sits down, and Skylar and I are like, this is awkward, so I decided to take a selfie of me and Skylar, and I sent it to the pastor of the church. I'm like, hey, I just want to be clear. Do you know this guy in this car? Because this guy might be about to kill us. I don't know who this guy is. He's like, oh, yeah, he's one of my pastors. You I? I'm like, okay, great. Bless the Lord. But thank you. You can get rid of that. Uh, it was, yeah, that's Skylar. Yeah. It was the other guy. And, uh, but Jesus kind of does that. I mean, he goes, he just sits in Peter's boat. He just, he's just all up in there. He just goes to the lake, goes, gets in Peter's boat. And then he starts giving Peter advice about how to, how to be a fisherman. And that's kind of challenging if you're a dude that this is what you do every day. And the rabbi comes up and says, hey, hey, you know, you're the, you're the son of a carpenter from Nazareth. How about you stick to preaching? I'll be the fisherman and you do your thing. I'll do mine. Jesus shows up and he's really invading Peter's world. He shows up and he gives him this invitation. And this invitation, though, is... It's all wrapped up in this miraculous moment. So we all have this invitation to follow Jesus. We all have this invitation to go and fulfill the calling that God has on our lives. And in Peter's situation, there was a miracle that got his attention. Jesus does this, and Jesus often does this. Jesus often will work something. Many of you could talk about the moment where Jesus saved you. And as you talk about your journey into salvation and then into stepping into what God's called you to do, around here we talk about discovering your purpose. It's that idea, discovering your calling. Yeah, I'm fishing for fish, but there was a day where I turned my life around and Jesus called me and I became a fisher of men or a fisher of people. I stopped fishing for fish and I started fishing for people. God's got a calling on every single one of us. And oftentimes when we read throughout The Bible, when God calls someone, there'll be even this little miraculous moment. He did it with Moses. Hey, Moses, burning bush moment. But the burning bush moment was not just for Moses to get an I love you from God. I like I love you's from God. Hey, I see you. I'm with you. But no, the the burning bush was, hey, I see you, and I want you to go deliver my people from Egypt. It was, I got a plan. This miracle is to send you on mission. This miracle is not just for you. This miracle is I've got something for you to do. I've got a calling on your life. That's what happens with Peter right here. Hey, Peter, this is a miracle, but this is not just just kind of a a trick just to kind of show you that I I love you. I do love you, but I'm going to call you to something more. I'm going to call you on mission. I'm going to call you to be a fisher of men. I'm going to call you to leave your plan and do my plan. This is what happened with Paul. It's that story we read in Acts chapter 9 where Paul has Jesus appear to him brighter than the sun. <laughs> That's the way that he, Paul describes it in Acts 26. It's as if he was brighter than the sun. Why? Well, because then Jesus calls Paul. I want you to go reach the Gentiles. I want you to go before kings. You're going to see I've got much I want you to do. I've got a calling on your life. And oftentimes when you and I walk through a journey where God reaches in and does something supernatural. It's not just for you. It's for you to steward the miracle that God has done for you for the sake of other people. Because God wants to use you to make a difference in the lives of other people. 
God wants to use you, and, and he wants you to continue to take steps as you follow him. That's the story with Peter right here. And I think we should be encouraged because Jesus takes a regular dude and transforms him into the preacher in Acts 2 that declares at Pentecost, turns him into the one who prays for the crippled man in Acts. Turns in, but he doesn't start as that dynamic. We did that Acts series where we were just seeing God using Peter over and over again, but he didn't start as that mature apostle. He started off as just a regular dude. It just starts off where Jesus enters his boat, finds him on the lake, enters into even his career, and starts giving a command, starts telling him what to do. We don't like it when people tell us what to do. That's what Jesus does, but I don't like that. I'm an American. Uh, welcome to Christianity. Oh, no. I want miracles as a consumer so that I can get what I want. Hold on a second. The miracles that we see God doing, it's not actually so that it stops with you, but so that God can do a miracle in and through you so that you can walk in supernatural power. That's a different thing. That's like, whoo. Yeah, Peter, I, I, I care about, I care about you seeing this, but I got big dreams for you, Peter. I think we should be encouraged by it. Because I think Jesus takes a regular guy. He's a family man. Luke 4, he's got a wife. I think, I think Peter's a domineering man. Like straight up, he's the guy that's always talking. He's the guy that, Matthew 16, he literally gets in a verbal fight with Jesus. I'm just telling you what kind of person does that. You just be like, I'll just let this one go. You know, but Jesus calls him Satan. That's a bad fight. You know, like I'd hate that. He's actually kind of a violent man. John 18, he cuts off Malchus's ear. Like, I know that's first century is different than 21st century, but no matter who you are, cutting off a dude's ear, that's more, that's, that's, I mean, Nathan's never done that. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty rough. I don't know if I can say this in church, but in Matthew 26, he's swearing and cussing. Like, whew, all right. Well, of course, we all know he's the one who lies. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. And yet, this is the one that Jesus calls. And I just think we're encouraged to know that he becomes the one who preaches at Pentecost. He becomes the one who sees the crippled man healed. He becomes the one. It's a process. It's a journey. And so the healing that we read in Acts, what he writes, First and Second Peter, we're strangers and aliens in this land. I mean, who Peter becomes, he didn't start there. Actually, history believes that he was crucified upside down as a martyr for the gospel. So maybe you're here today and you go, man, sounds, sounds like so challenging, so hard, so rough. I don't think I could ever be someone who walks in spiritual authority, who cares about people that I'm literally going to risk my life and go to prison like Peter did. That's just all pie in the sky talk. Everybody starts like the cussing ticked off fishermen. But over time, as you walk with Jesus, you're transformed to look like Jesus and do what he does. And so don't be discouraged. I think one of the things that I see when it, with us in our journey in America, I'm, I'm 44, um, and I started in ministry when I was 18. And so I'm going to make a judgment, and you can either take this or leave this. But I think one of the things that I see is that 
I think um, that the journey when we follow Jesus, to me, I, I just call it steps. I just call that when I look at Peter's life, and Peter says, yes, I'll follow Jesus, but then Peter has moments where he does all those different things that are, that are wrong and off, but then Peter also has those moments where he sees miracles, where he hears Jesus teach, and it's just this constant moving forward in a way that's uncomfortable, but continuing to obey Jesus no matter what he asked me to do. So Jesus, you want me to come to you on the water, I'll do it. Okay, that's a step. Jesus, I failed. I got in a verbal fight with you and told you not to go to Jerusalem two steps back. Once to, like, I think it's this journey, yet Peter just kept going. And for me, when I just read this story, I just picture the invitation at the very beginning. Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, I'm tempted to quit. From now on, I just denied you to servant girls. From now on. I, I literally just sank in the water trying to walk on water. Oh, from now, don't go back. There's no going back. From now on, you'll be a fisher of men. You'll be a fisher of people. Don't go back to what you used to know. Keep taking steps. Do you ever think that in an American church, we, take, we do like the American two-step and stop? Like, I picture us, we take salvation step, I'll pray a prayer of salvation, and I'll even be baptized. And then in my view, I see us taking a break, and we go sit on the bench. And I think that sometimes we'll say, I'll keep taking steps, I'll be a man of prayer, fasting, giving, serving, forgive my enemies, you know, pick the thing, but it's really acceptable it's only, only you and Jesus know if you're continuing to really take steps to the fullness of what he's called you to do. I think it's easy for us to do two steps and then retire. Two steps and take a break. When I, I lived in Colorado and Dawson was four, uh, his best friend was Everett. Dawson had big brown eyes, brown hair, and his best buddy, Everett, had blonde hair, blue eyes, and uh, they played uh, four-year-old soccer together. And, uh, you know, as a dad, you're excited to see your, your son be a great athlete, and um, you're, you know, when it's your first, and they're just starting sports, deep down, you're thinking, now everybody's going to see some real talent. Um, if, if you don't think that, sorry, I'm confessing my own sin. Um, but, but, uh, but Dawson and Everett um, in their first few games of four-year-old soccer, uh, had trouble staying on the field um, because their four-year-old soccer field was next to the playground at the park. It was one place. And so my, our little boys had a hard... They would start the game with the little kick, and they would start off for a good little bit until they would see off in the distance their playground that they'd been going to since they were little babies, and they would want to go sit on the swings and then swing and jump up and, and be on the playground. And Jared and I, his Everett's dad, we had a hard time keeping our boys on the field because they kept wanting to go play on the playground. And I think that's me and you sometimes. Hey, we'll start the game but I just want to go play. And I think our heavenly father is coming up, getting down. Hey, Doss. Yeah. 
You want to swing again? Yeah. I need you on the field playing soccer, son. We're not going to win the game if you're not in the game. Peter was tempted to quit. Peter thought about giving up. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what the church of Jesus Christ looks like when we just say, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going back. From now on, I'm a fisher of men. Jesus, you saved me. Jesus, I've seen with my own eyes you at work. And to my last breath, I'm going to lay it all in the field. You guys remember in the 90s when Michael Jordan retired from basketball, right? When he was like, like won three championships. Remember that? Remember just how we were all just like so sad? Like, oh, MJ retiring. Sometimes I just wonder if God looks at us and goes, really? I've called you, saved you, equipped you, given you the Holy Spirit, a power of God at work inside of you, and you're really going to just go quit? You're really just going to go do what's comfortable, go do what's easy? Well, Jesus, when I'm out on the field, it hurts. When I'm out on the field, I, I, it actually is, it costs me time and money and energy, and I have to forgive people. That It's just easy to just I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just take two steps. But I just imagine Jesus looking at you like he looked at Peter, looking at me like he looked at Peter and saying, don't be afraid. From now on, from now, this moment, from now on, I've got a calling on your life. I want you to not just see you. I want you to see what I see. I want you to oversee. I want you to see more than you currently see. Now, I like to just see what I see. I want you to see more. I want you to have spiritual eyes. Peter, I got a dream for you. Peter, <laughs> a million dreams are keeping me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Peter, I want you to see the way that I see. I want you to see what I've called you to do. Uh, I was thinking if you hear this and you go, David, that's nice, but I'm weary. I'm tired. I'm hurt by church. I don't want to take spiritual steps. Too hard to keep making disciples. Too hard to be a disciple. Too hard to make disciples to make disciples. Too hard to give, serve, pray, forgive. I just want to invite you to know that that feeling that you feel is probably how Peter felt. Because look at this context. Jesus enters into his world, and Peter's been up all night. He's tired. I guarantee you he's tired. Ever stayed up all night? You're tired. First time I ever stayed up all night, 1988, I was playing Nintendo Rad Racer with my fifth grade buddy. I stayed up all night. Thank you, Kenny. He knows what it is. I stayed up all night. I was, I was nothing the next day. I was, I was awful, right? Peter's tired. Youth group, it became lock-ins, grown-up, international travel. You know, you're just dead. Peter's been up all night, working the graveyard shift. That's when you can catch the most fish. He's tired. No doubt about it, up all night. That's why he's washed his nets. That's why his plan is, let's just come back and let's just do this again tomorrow. Let's just wash the nets. Let's be done. I think he's discouraged because he's, by his own proclamation, he says, master, we fished all night. In other words, I failed. Like, there's, there's no point of going out. I am a fisherman. We didn't catch fish. I'm tired. I'm discouraged. Actually, if you watch um, The Chosen, uh, in this scene, Peter is coming in from not catching any fish. And kind of 
kind of an awkwardly good-looking Peter, you know, like, I don't really like that guy, you know, like, that feels way Hollywood to me, but I, I, I personally think Peter was shorter. Um, but he, <laughs> but in, the, in The Chosen, he slaps the water. He's just like, bam, and you can just see the frustration. Tired, frustrated. I think that's how we often feel. I'm tired. I've been a Christian for 20 years, 40 years. I, God, I'll give you four steps. God, here's where I quit. Here's where I stop. Here's the line. Here's as much as you can have. He may have even been confused. We don't know this for sure. But it's highly probable that he's confused because he looks at Jesus and he gives kind of an excuse. I love, I actually love his response because when I hear Peter, I can feel it. I feel the obedience that cognitively cannot fully understand what Jesus is doing, but I say yes anyway. But it doesn't make sense to him. You, you? You, the rabbi, you're going to tell me how to fish? We've been fishing all night. The fish can be caught at night. This is not the best time to fish. You want me to go out? You want me to, you want me to do it your way, even though it's not the smartest way? Let's even just talk about the endurance of time. We're just coming in. We've been out. So maybe it's something about the season, but there's a lot of reasons why this does not make mental sense to go do what you're telling me to do. And that's often what Jesus invites you to do because he wants you to take a step of faith and obedience when you can't understand, when you feel weary, when you feel discouraged, when you feel confused. He's going, come on, take a step, just obey. And what I love about this is Peter's response. I just want you to feel this. Three phrases but because you say so. Peter gives us his motivation. Here's my why, because you say so. You, you the one that has all authority, all right? You, because you say so. You have all wisdom, okay, because you say so. Not because I understand, not because I want to, not because it makes any sense to me, but because you say so. His motivation is Jesus himself. Because you say so, spoken word. What happens if we had this hunger for every word that comes from the mouth of God? I mean, what happens if we had a hunger for the word of God? What happens if even like these people who are pressing in to hear the word of God, this is Jesus and we've got the written word right in front of us. We can listen to him anytime. We got the Holy Spirit alive inside of us. I mean, we could, we could really fall in love with this idea of hearing Jesus. Because you say say so. Because you say so. That's my why. And then there's this phrase. And then he goes into motivation, resolution. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, I don't know how this goes, but I can feel I'm going to gripe with Jesus and say, master, we fished all night. But I feel like this resolution has in it this grit of doing something I don't feel. I will let down the nets. Andrew, James, John, we're going back out. I don't, I don't feel like doing this, but let's go. And then that last phrase, and when they had done so, the action, he does it. Motivation, Jesus, because of you. Resolution, that's the worship moment on Sunday morning. 
That's what we do. I thank the master. I thank God. I give you everything. Giving everything to God. Lord, I'm amazed by you. You're all, okay, awesome. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Here's where the action is. Will we say yes? Will we go out and actually do so? I just love that phrase, when they had done so. Because you say so. And then when they had done so. And after the, because you say so, and when they had done so, that's when you get miracle worker. That's when you get Jesus going, <laughs> watch and see. Obedience to Jesus leads to God's work instead of ours. If you ran Peter's play, he'd say, let's watch, wash the nets. We'll come back. We'll make a run at this again tomorrow. Jesus, we fished all night. Let me do this thing my way. That's what we always do. Hey, don't step into my area of expertise, Jesus. Come on. I know this car. I know this family. I know my career. I know my finances. I know my life. I know me. And Jesus is going, oh, do you? Do you? I'm the creator. <laughs> Hey, Peter, you think that's your boat? You think that's your business? You think that's your lake? I'm the one that, I made the lake. I made the trees. made you the boat. Those are my fish. I made those eyes. I made those little gills or whatever kind of fish it is. I don't know. But it all belongs to me. Here's your win. Listen and obey. You'd be surprised what I can do. You'd be surprised if you just listen and obey what's on the other side of obedience. And so this is, the moment where we see Peter running Jesus' play rather than his own play, and Jesus' plan, go into deep water, let down your nets, and one word, one word of obedience. And Peter's problem was no fish. Jesus, just obedience. <sighs> Boat sinking fish load. I mean, blow your mind, miracle. I just believe for us today, we lock in. Jesus, I'm going to obey no matter what. And in that listening to the word, you're my motive. I listen. I'll say yes to anything. Those are the people that look back and see miracles in the wake. And they're taking risks. They're, they're, they're taking steps. They're believing God. And I just want to invite you not to do the two-step. Don't just, I love salvation. I love baptism. We celebrate that like crazy. Keep taking steps. Don't be done. Keep moving forward. What? What are you inviting me to? Peter, I got, I got plans for you from now on. I want you to keep going. I want you not to quit. It's a great story because this story happens again. It's a different time, different historical moment. But we read a similar story. Peter goes, follows Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross. Jesus raised from the dead. And in Mark 16, an angel appears and speaks to the women at the tomb and says, go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm going to meet them in Galilee. Just an intriguing phrase that the angel says, and Peter. Why would the angel say that? Well, there's a unique conversation coming at the Sea of Galilee with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and Peter. I'm going to just close with us just looking at John 21, because Jesus appears to his friend, Peter. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Very familiar. It happened this way. John's treating it like a drama. He just wants us to see what happened. Simon Peter, Thomas, 
also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. Now, Bible commentators, they say different things about this. Some say Peter was so discouraged because he had denied Jesus three times that he was just going out and going back to his old occupation to fish for fish. Others say, nope, Peter wasn't giving up. He was just going back to something familiar. Either way, Peter went back to fishing for fish. Either way, no matter how you try to figure out what's happening by this, trying to get into Peter's motive, Peter's going back to fishing for fish when he'd been called to, from now on, you're gonna be a fisher of men. Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Same story. Early in the morning, Jesus stood up on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, Jesus looked at Peter, hey, Peter, Luke 5. This was Jesus and Peter's moment. This was the way that Jesus called Peter. This was the miracle moment for Peter. This is just kind of like a wink from Jesus. John knows it and he looks at Peter and he goes, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing in the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there and fish on it and some bread. I just love that story because they haven't caught any fish. And here's Jesus on the shore and he's got some fish. Like, I've already cooked it. What's up? Y'all can't find some? And then he has this conversation and it's this epic conversation. John 21, where he looks at Peter. Angel said, tell the disciples and Peter, make sure be there. Sea of Galilee, Jesus he called Peter on the Sea of Galilee. He told Peter, hey, from now on, don't be afraid. Why do you say don't be afraid? Because there's going to be moments where the rabbi you're following, Jesus, the Messiah, literally goes to a cross like a criminal. There's going to be moments where you're going to stand in front of servant girls. There's going to be moments of shame. There's going to be moments of disappointment. There's going to be moments of heartache. It's going to be easy to become afraid. But I got a vision for your life from now on. From now on, you're a fisher of men. You're a fisher of people. I've called you to my plan, not your plan. I have a way higher than your way. You're going to want to resign. You're going to want to quit. You're going to want to do your thing. You're going to want to stop early. You're going to be okay with doing two steps. I want you to follow me to the end. I've got people in the wake of your ministry that will be touched. God through you, if you'll just keep taking steps. So Jesus looks at Peter and says, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He just keeps it. It's not a about just you. I've got a mission for you. I did that miracle to send you on mission. I did something for you and you're not done yet. I want to use you. Man, when we lock in with miracles are not just for us. Oh, we love them. Come on. Let's see God work. Let's see some financial miracles. Let's see God heal. Woo, we love that bless me moment. We love that. And I love that. And Jesus loved that. And it's got another flip side too. 
Now I've got faith that God does miracles and I'm going out in the power and the boldness of Jesus and I ain't quitting till the end. I'm going to fulfill my calling. And so Jesus reinstates Peter. Jesus locks eyes with Peter. You're a lover of God. Let's keep going. Don't quit. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And then we go, and that's book of Acts we read, Peter. Acts 2. 3,000 added to their number that day. Peter's preaching. Peter can't even talk to a servant girl. But now he's preaching with boldness and courage. We read two chapters later, and it says 5,000. 5,000 men. I just imagine the 3,000. Peter's just done preaching. He's remembering Jesus calling him. I want you to fish for men. Got a little picture for you. You can catch some fish right now. And I just imagine Peter looking at the thousands of men. It's interesting. Luke is the author of Acts, and he even gives that it's 5,000 men. Just, it's just like he's foreshadowing that in the same way that there is the big catch of fish. In Acts, there's the big catch of men. You're a fisher of men. And I just imagine if you're Peter and John and Andrew and James, and you've left everything. I just, I just imagine you're thinking back to that moment. You remember when Jesus called us? You remember the miraculous catch? Remember the two boats with fish in them, so full they're sinking, and we pulled them up on the shore. And it's interesting because um, we don't know what happened to all the fish. We just have no clue. Like I read some Bible commentators, and they said, maybe the crowds that were pressing in to hear Jesus had some free fish that day. I read another Bible commentator. He said, maybe, maybe some of the workers went and turned it into profit and gave the money to, to the disciples for their apostolic ministry. But nobody knows. We don't know. Here's what we do know. That was the moment where really their Galilean dream had come true. Payday. Filled up the boats biggest catch in Galilean history. If you're an actor, this is the moment you got the blockbuster script deal. If you're a business owner, this was the day you sold your business for millions and millions of dollars. If you're, if this, if you're, if this is the NFL draft, this is the day that you just got drafted number one by Jacksonville. I mean, this is, this is the big moment. You got it all. You can, you can, you can buy another boat you, 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 this is it. This is what we, this, man, we could, we could stay. We, we, we could turn this into something, boys. Come on. Look at this. This is just, it's a free gift. This rabbi, just come on. Let's be, let's be secure. Hey, let's leave a legacy, baby. Let's just put petersfishingboats.com and make something of our lives. Let's stay. Let's do what we want. Finally, we have financial freedom. Yeah. Or should we leave it all? We don't know what's on the other side. If we follow him, 
We have no assurance on what our lives will look like. And they go on the journey with Jesus and they just leave the two boats with fish. They follow him. And I just imagine the moment where they look out. Thousands. And they wink at each other. No regrets. This is what we're made for. I'm made for this. This is what God wants from me. Far better. Far better to run with Jesus than to create my own plan. Just bow your heads with me and I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for every man, every woman, every young adult, every teenager. I ask Holy Spirit to do miracles in our house. We just say your way, not ours. We just choose to obey. I pray for the courage to say yes, to take another step when we're 60, 50, 80, 10, 19, 21. So whatever you said, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to go back to our plan. No returning to what's comfortable. We have decided to follow Jesus. Today, if you want to just make that your choice, I have decided to follow Jesus. I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And just like those disciples left everything, I leave everything behind. I'll follow you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. 